the following message entitled The Pure in Heart Shall See God, Part 4 of the series The Beatitudes, was given by Bob Mundorf on January 19, 2014 at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. All right, good morning. Well, let's start off by praying and asking God for His help this morning. Father, we thank You for giving us an opportunity to be together around Your Word, Lord, learning and studying and glorifying You in all we do, Lord. And we, we know, we realize that Your Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And we, we want Your Word to help us this morning. And Lord, I I declare my dependence upon you for for preaching your word. I'm I'm nothing without your help. So I just pray, Lord, for your help. I pray for your help for all of us to hear that we might see you in a more real, deeper, clearer way as a result of studying Jesus' teaching this morning. It's in his name we ask. Amen. You guys have things that that really gross you out, that it's just, if you look at it, you kind of get itchy hives on the back of your neck and you get really grossed out by it. I have two. And and my two things that I really don't like are small holes in things and spiders. And I'll explain. I, I think this all started, of course, in my childhood. That's where it all starts. But when I was about five years old, I was in that weird transition between learning uh, to shower and getting baths. And I remember I was in the shower and I was looking at that, that silver um, drain tub cover with all the little holes in it. And a spider came out of one of those holes. And I, I, I get so grossed out by spiders. And so ever since then, now I'm, I'm grossed out by these little small holes like in flat surfaces and I don't know why. It's weird. It's some weird mental thing. Well, I didn't realize how common this was until about, I think last September, CBS News did this story on people who get grossed out by small holes. And it said, <laughs> I'm serious, it's, it's more common than you think. Do any of you have that? That's, no, I'm the only one. Thanks. Well... I found comfort in this. CBS News said, A growing number of people are reporting a fear of holes. The reaction is so severe that even seeing photos of holes can set off a panic attack. The condition is called trypophobia. And if you look that word up on the Internet, you will begin to fear and be grossed out by small holes with the pictures you see. Researchers, they go on to say, Researchers Jeff Cole and Arnold Wilkins of the Center for Brain Science at the University of Essex concluded that it is not the holes that these people fear. Instead, their brains associate the holes with danger. What kind of danger exactly is still being studied? Well, I could tell doctors Cole and Wilkins what I'm afraid of, and that's that the inside of these holes are infested with little swarms of spider nests. You don't know what's inside of them. That's what they're trying to say, I think. Well, here's the thing. Here's the connection. Um, It doesn't matter how morally shiny we are on the outside, like that shiny bathtub drain cover is. Jesus sees what's in the heart. 
And that's why, that's what really what he was saying in our passage this morning, and that's what we're going to be talking about this message, is Matthew 5.8. In this beatitude, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I haven't stepped on a bathtub drain cover since, by the way. I'm always aware of where my feet are. So, biblically, let's look at first at what the heart is. Biblically, what exactly is the heart? Because we've got to know what the heart is before we can understand what Jesus means by blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, the heart in the Bible stands in complete contrast to everything external. You see, purity, purity comes from within. And that's what Jesus was getting at throughout this Sermon on the Mount. And later in His teachings, He, he talked about how the heart is what is inside of us, what people can't always see. He said things like, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So sometimes we, we do get a, a glimpse of what's in the heart. But He also told the Pharisees things like, your, you, you honor Me with your lips, but your hearts are far from Me. So we, we don't always see what's in the heart. And in Matthew 23, 25-28, Jesus proved that even the best actors, the best hypocrites, cannot fool Him. He sees straight through the shiny veneer of good works. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean." Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And and by the way, hypocrites in those days were the people who put on masks in the arena when they went to a play to show a false kind of front outside. And he's telling them, you're hypocrites. Woe to you, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now Jesus wasn't talking here, as we know, about kitchen hygiene, washing dishes. He wasn't talking about mortuary science, beautiful tombs and coffins. He was talking about their heart. He was talking about what was inside. And He was exposing them for what they really were. That's our heart. It's what we think inside. Genesis 6-5 gives us a really, really great... uh, First, it it gives us the fact that God sees in our hearts, but it also gives us a better understanding of what the heart is. Look with me at Genesis 6 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart. See that? The thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So from the beginning, we see that God, God looks down and sees not, not what you look like on the outside, but in your heart. He looks and sees in our hearts. And this passage shows us that it, it's, it's the thoughts that he sees the intentions that He sees. The heart is 
what's, what's within, the inner man. It's, it's where your, your emotions and your passions are formed. It's where every moral decision is decided. It's where, where our intentions reside, where we think, where we understand, where we plan. The best way for me to understand what the heart is is, is just to simplify it as the mind. It's, it's, it's very close to what the Bible calls the mind. It's just our, our thought life. So as we're looking at this passage, blessed are the pure in heart, let's think, blessed are the pure in, in their thought life, in their mind, in what they are inside. In the same sermon, just a few verses later, Jesus went on to elaborate how important what goes on in our hearts is to God. He said in verse 27, for example, He said, you have heard, this is Matthew 5, 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, commit the action of adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent See, that intent has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. You realize that that when we think sinful thoughts, when we think uh, lustful thoughts, when we think judgmental, critical thoughts, when we think jealous thoughts, when we think selfish thoughts, when we have any sinful attitude, that that is actually as important to God, what goes on in our minds, as the actual act, as what we do. Some of us here could be considered murderers or adulterers in God's sight. That's the heart. What goes on in the heart is so important to the Lord. Here's here's another way to think of it. Imagine for a moment that you, back in, let's say back in high school, that there was this really smart guy, and he was overly sensitive, and you somehow offended him, and you didn't even know it. And all these years later, he's been carrying this grudge. And this guy was super smart, super sensitive, and this grudge is just boiling and brewing and churning in his heart for all these years. And he went on to become a mad scientist with a grudge. And he developed this little machine that could remotely get in your brain and read all of your thoughts. Every thought you have, everything you're thinking at any moment, this little machine that he developed, it can read it. And it records it, not only in writing, but like in video and audio. And so he put it all on the internet, publicly. Your thoughts, for the last year, while he's been recording them, he posts online. And his little machine, it's, it's intricate. It, it details, it categorizes your thoughts down to the category, even the people's names who you thought about over the last year. And he emailed all these people, the link to the website, and so they could click on their name and they could see exactly what you thought about them and it played out in visual, audio, high def, surround sound. I mean, they got it all. 
That's scary. And you were the last one to know. Now, wouldn't that make for some pretty awkward interactions on your way to find a cave to live in somewhere? But that's what, that's what God sees when He looks at us. He sees everything. You can't hide anything from Him. None of us can. He sees what's going on in our minds. He sees our intentions. He sees the thoughts of our heart. And 1 Samuel 16.7 tells us, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that is scary, considering that we know our hearts, we each know our heart better than anyone else. And God knows our heart better than even we know our hearts. So yeah, that's really scary. Considering that, how do we think about this this beatitude that Jesus taught? Blessed are the pure, pure in heart, for they shall see God. Will any of us ever see God? So that leads us to, to the question, how will we ever see God if only the pure in heart? see Him. First of all, as we look at the phrase, they will see God, it's important to understand what Jesus meant when He said, see God. Jesus wasn't talking here, just like He wasn't talking about our physical blood-pumping organ called the heart, He wasn't talking really about seeing with our physical eyes. These eyes that we have right now aren't made to see spiritual things. And the problem, as we've seen, isn't with our eyes anyways. It's with our heart. But when he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, the the word see God is the word autonomy. And and it is translated we'll see, but sometimes just like our phrase, we'll see something, uh, it doesn't always mean physically. Kind of like if somebody's telling you something and you say, oh, I see or you are studying something really hard and you, I see, you, you mean that you see in your mind, you comprehend it, you understand it, you know, you, you perceive. And that's what he's saying here in one sense, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will perceive God. They'll understand Him. Now in another sense, as we sung this morning, we will see God one day when Jesus comes back. But we will never see Him either way without spiritual sight. Without, like we sang this morning, having the eyes of our hearts opened so we can understand God. Without spiritual sight, we'll never see Him. In 1 Corinthians 2, we're not going to take the time to look at it, but if you want to look later, 1 Corinthians 2 explains to us that without God's Spirit, we cannot see Him. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. And without these spiritual eyes, without this spiritual sight, we cannot see Him. We'll never understand God. We'll never see Him for who He is. And that leads us to the question, how do we even get this spiritual sight? And it's possible that, um, I don't know all of you, it's possible that some of you don't have spiritual sight yet. So I want to tell you that the first step to a pure heart 
if you're starting from scratch today, if you've never seen God for who He is, and you want to see Him in the sense of knowing Him for who He is, that first step comes by hearing and believing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know many of you have, but maybe not all of you. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is the good message of Jesus. And it is, I can tell you what it is in the next 15-20 seconds. It is that Jesus Christ is God. He's the Son of God, and He's God, eternal God, that never had a beginning. That He's the Messiah, the Christ, predicted in the Old Testament that was coming. And that He did come as a man. He became flesh. He became a man so that He could die. Because God can't die. He became a man so that He could die. And just like we sang this morning, high and lifted up. He was high and lifted up in humility on the cross to die for sins. But He didn't stay dead. He rose bodily on the third day. And that's the Gospel. And the Bible says that if you believe that, if you have faith in that good message, if you count that as true, that you have eternal life. And listen to this. Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him you also, in Jesus you also, when you heard the Word of truth, that's the Gospel. It's what I just told you. The Gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, believed in Jesus, that that is true about Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. If you believe that, when you believe that, you receive the Holy Spirit. And we learned a little bit ago that you cannot have spiritual sight. You won't see God if you don't have the Holy Spirit. When we sang, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see You, the first requirement is having the Holy Spirit. If you believe the Gospel, you have the Holy Spirit. And you can see God. You will see God when He returns for us one day. Or when you die, whichever comes first, you'll see Him. And so, that's the first phase of having a pure heart. You've got to believe the Gospel. You've got to have the Spirit of God. But as we've seen in these Beatitudes, in most of these Beatitudes, Jesus had kind of two senses of, of blessing. He said, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. There, there are always, it seems, two phases. There's this future phase of how we're going to be blessed in eternity. And we just talked about that. But there's also a phase in how it applies to us now. Present time. On the earth. In these bodies. How do we see God as a believer, and just to clarify one more time because it's so important, the initial apprehension of spiritual sight came by believing in Jesus. That purified our heart by faith. And now the second part that we're going to talk about applies to believers. It applies to believers only, and it has to do with seeing, perceiving, knowing God more, having fellowship with God. That's what it has to do with. So, when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. We want to look at as believers now, which I hope we all are, everyone here. How can we see God more? How can believers see God, perceive Him, experience Him more? I think we all want that. I know I do. Well, here's the thing. God, the great physician, as we just talked about, gave us all heart transplants the moment we believed. The moment we were saved, we received a new heart. Now, that just means, as we talked about, we received a new, a new way of thinking. Why? Because God the Spirit came to live in us. And now we have this, this new spiritual way of thinking, this spiritual outlook on the world. We see things in a different light because we've received a new heart. The Bible word for this, by the way, is regeneration. That's what regeneration is. It's, it's being born again. When you believe you're born again, you receive a new heart, a new way of thinking. But as we know, as many of us know, all of us who are Christians should know this, that this new heart is still susceptible to impurities. It can be defiled or infected with any, many kind of impurities that we find throughout this earth. For example, Colossians 2 tells us that human philosophies will corrupt biblical wisdom. That's one kind of heart infection. Or worldly thinking, Romans 12.2 tells us, worldly thinking will poison biblical thinking. Or Galatians 5 makes it clear that, that fleshly attitudes will infect biblical, spiritual attitudes. And so anytime that we give these things a place in our thought life, in our mind, these kind of sinful attitudes, we're losing that pureness of heart, in a sense, that we received when we were born again. Our heart's being corrupted. It's being defiled. We're allowing these impurities to infect our hearts. And they hinder us from seeing, experiencing, knowing God in a deeper, nearer, and clearer way. I was talking with a couple of the doctors, uh, Dr. Basler and uh, Dr. Woodle this week, about, about heart conditions. just wanted to know a little more about heart conditions, the physical blood-pumping organ. And if there was any, I asked if there's anything related to, to our vision, our eyesight. I found something really interesting out that makes for a great um, physical picture of this spiritual truth that we're looking at today. I found out about this condition called infective endocarditis. Now, infective endocarditis is a condition brought on by any kind of infectious agent that enters the heart chamber, usually bacteria of some kind. And if you're... If you're squeamish and you get kind of grossed, if you get grossed out by like bloody heart pictures, then don't look up here right now because I want to show you what this looks like whenever a heart gets infective endocarditis. It's, it's gross, isn't it? That's what this bacteria does to the walls of our heart when it's allowed to enter. You can take it down now, David. I see heads going down like this. But as gross and ugly as that is, it's even grosser to God, uglier to God, when He sees the impurities 
of unspiritual, sinful attitudes, judgmentalism, criticism, lustful thoughts, selfish ambition, jealousy, when he sees any kind of these sinful attitudes in our heart, it's even grosser to God. And it does more damage than this. Now, one of the cool things that I learned about infective endocarditis is that not only does it begin to destroy your heart, but these bacteria break off and travel through your arteries. And the place that they really like to go is to your eyeballs. Infective endocarditis causes something on your eyeballs called Roth spots. And basically, that's just bloody lesions on the back of your eyeballs. Hemorrhages. Your eyes begin to bleed. Now, if that's not a great physical picture of this spiritual truth, I don't know what is. Here it is. Just like infective endocarditis, an impure thought life will damage your spiritual eyes so that you slowly begin to lose sight of God in your life. Now, these impurities don't come all at once. They come over time. And as we become less sensitive to them, they can slowly cause vision loss. And you might just now be realizing that I don't see God. I don't fellowship with God like I used to. I, I I never really thought of it. But now I see it. I'm slowly losing sight of Him. It could be that you have impurities in your thought life, in your mind. But there is still hope. That's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time. There's still hope. I want to give us three ways to keep our heart pure so that we can see God more. Three ways from the Bible to keep our heart pure so that we can see God more. Because what we do when we realize that, when we realize and discover these impurities and our loss of our sight of God is critical. We can't just let it go. Here's what we do. Number one, three things. Number one, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our heart with all vigilance. And I know Mark preached on that recently, and like he mentioned then, we can't always help what comes up to the gate of our hearts, can we? We can't always help it. But we can, we can help what we let in. What we let into our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. And I know that uh, the Bible says that Satan is lurking about and one of the realms that he likes to mess with most is our minds. And he'll lie to us. He's the father of lies. He'll tell you things like, well, uh, just a little bit won't hurt me. You know, just a, a little bit. I can, you can, he'll say, you can handle that. A little bit won't hurt you. You can be exposed to just a small amount of, of that, you know, that filthy movie with impure scenes or, or the website with the impure images. Or you can, he'll say, you can listen in on that conversation that's laden with gossip. It's okay, you can handle it. Meanwhile, these impurities little by little, are entering our hearts and our minds. Don't listen to Him. It's a lie. 
it, it, it would be like this. It would be like if you went to a restaurant, let's say you're a steak lover, and all your friends are just raving about this steak dinner at this local restaurant, and you think, I'm going to go get some of this steak. And uh, so you're all, all excited, and you go, and you sit down, and you place your order, and your waiter comes over, and he's bringing your steak, and it looks great. You can't wait to taste it. And he tells you, now, sir, um, legally, I just have to tell you that inside of this steak, um, there are certain bacteria living in there that can cause a condition called infective endocarditis. And, and you, your heart's going to get really messed up if you eat this steak. And you may begin to lose your sight because your eyes are going to bleed. But enjoy. Are you going to eat that? Are you even going to take a bite of it or take, touch it to your tongue? You'd, you'd want to burn that thing. You would get out of there so fast if you had any sense at all, right? The problem is, some of us have lost our spiritual sense. Oh, physically, you know, in, a, in a, the real world, we do that. But spiritually, do we think as much about exposure to impurities going into our spiritual heart? We've lost our spiritual sensitivity. And that can come back by doing things like praying what David prayed, for example, in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And setting up guards. Guards. Which is really, we're going to see in this next point, how to do that. This next step helps me to do that. It's number two. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. On my property, um, we have some of the best and purest spring water around. We, we live on the side of the Chestnut Ridge, and we get this spring water that comes out of a seam of limestone underneath the Chestnut Ridge. It's really pure. It's really good water. But anybody with spring water knows that even the best of it is susceptible to certain bacteria that can get in it between the spring house and your house. And these bacteria can cause you to get sick. So, the way we remedied that was we installed a bacteria-killing UV light, ultraviolet light, in our, our water line. Now, as long as my water passes through that UV light system, I know it will remain pure. I feel safe. I know it's going to kill all of the bacteria that could be in it. See, our, our hearts are much the same as that water. We've got some of the purest, regenerate hearts around. They were purified by faith the moment we believed. But we've got to consistently, constantly be walking in the light, running our hearts under the light of Jesus Christ all day, every day. We need to be tuned into Him in our thought life. And I love how he says walk in, in 1 John. 1 John, it's a big theme in that book is about walking in the light. Walking. When you walk, you take a step at a time. And that's what he's telling us to do in our thoughts. Take a step at a time. Every step of the day, we need to bring it into the light of Jesus Christ. And it's going to kill those impure thoughts. And we're going to it's going to keep us from becoming spiritually sick. Now, how do we do that? Well, we're told how to do that in 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9, he tells us, and, and by the way, he's speaking to believers here. If we, 
He's, he's writing to believers. He's a believer. If we as believers confess our sins. Now I just want to say, we've, we've already believed the Gospel. We have eternal life. He's talking to believers about how to have fellowship with God here. And he says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word cleanse, same word as pure in Jesus' beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart. Katharizo, same word, pure. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now again, legally, legally, we've already been forgiven of our sins. But as we've been talking about, our sins, our impure thoughts, can affect our sight of God, our fellowship, our experience of Him. And He is waiting eagerly to forgive us and purify us again. So, how do we walk in the light? We walk in the light by constantly being aware of what we're thinking. And when we sin, the moment we sin, immediately confess that to the Lord. Confess it to Him. And He will purify you so that you will begin to have fellowship with Him again and see Him as He is. You know, I, don't, I think sometimes we just don't do this because, I don't know, we, we grow callous to our sin. It becomes a habit. It's kind of like the mold that grows behind your bathroom wall. You don't want to tear the whole wall off and expose it because you don't really feel like dealing with it. You know, and, and it can be like that with the mold of sin in our minds. It just, we just let it go. We can't do that. We've got to walk in the light. We've got to be aware all the time of our thought life. That's what it means to guard, to guard your heart. You guard your heart when you're aware. What if, I know Bob Ryder was a guard for a while and he sat in a shack and watched this place. What if he just fell asleep and he was like playing on the iPad and he wasn't watching? You've got to be aware if you're a guard. And the way that you're aware is by walking in the light and exposing it between you and the Lord in constant communion. And when we do that, He will purify our hearts. And, and you know, just being aware, um, doing this has helped me so much. Just building this as a habit. I want to stress this. Build this as a habit. Just, just constantly getting in the habit of confessing your sins to the Lord. And, and do it in thought phase because, listen guys, I, there's an old time preacher that I really like named J.C. Ryle. He said, this stuck with me, I read it a long time ago. He said, our thoughts are the parents of our words and deeds. Right? You don't do anything without first thinking about it. Every, every sinful thing we do with our hands or you know, our feet or whatever, an action, you won't commit that sin unless you first think of it. So we want to get in there in the thought phase, in its weakest phase, and abort it and kill it before it grows. That's what we've got to do. That's what it means to guard your heart. And you've got to be aware. You've got to have a self-awareness. And the way that I've been helped most is by just getting into the habit of confessing my sins in thought phase to the Lord. That's walking in the light. Thinking of a Scripture in 2 Corinthians 10.5, I think it is, He tells us 
take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. You can't do that if you're not walking in the light. Just take it captive at the thought stage. And, and you, can, you can beat it then. If you let it go and you let it grow, it's going to become harder. And just another thought too with this point. You know, it's possible that some folks have been uh, struggling with a certain kind of sin for years. And you're thinking right now, oh, I confess it to the Lord every time, but I, I can't stop doing it. I can't, you know, I just, it's so easy. Well, James 5.16, I believe it is. I didn't write it down, but I think it's James 5.16 tells us that we should confess our sins to one another so that we can pray for one another. And that's just another means if this is a problem that's been going on for years, you're confessing it to the Lord, we might want to consider confessing it in your care group or confessing it to some friends who are Christians and asking them to pray for you. But if you do these things, if you guard your heart, if you walk in the light, and then you do this third thing we're going to talk about now, and you do it, and you do it well, I think that you're going to do really well, and you're going to begin to have a more pure heart. So the third and final way to keep your heart pure so that you can see God more is to have a daily heart catharsis. Now, I didn't know what that word meant before I prepared for this message. But some of you might know what it means. I looked it up. And the reason I looked it up, before I tell you what it meant, what it means, because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. The Greek word for pure is katharos. Katharos. And I thought, katharos. I've heard the word catharsis. It sounds kind of like that. And so I looked it up, and it, it's actually the same thing, basically. It comes from that Greek word katharos. Catharsis, according to the dictionary is a purifying purge, especially of the digestive system. So, you might have seen those strange infomercials about colon cleanses. Those crack me up. This is like a colon cleanse of the mind, okay? Have a daily, daily heart catharsis. Have a colon cleanse of the mind. We need to flush out all that garbage. It's like... I wish I had one of those commercials. The guy's talking about all these gross impurities that get in your colon and all. Hey, we've got just as many gross spiritual impurities and garbage. Sometimes our minds can be like a cesspool. They need flushed daily. And God tells us that, just like those guys on those weird infomercials tell you their product's the best. It's the only thing that's going to really flush out your colon. Don't buy the other things. Buy this one because it's the most pure. It's the strongest. Well, the only thing that's pure enough, strong enough to flush out our minds is God's Word. It's the only thing. It's pure. And it's going to help us. And it's going to cleanse us. And it's going to purify us. But we've got to do it daily if we want to have a pure heart. Romans 12.2 tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewal of your mind. By the renewal of your mind. See, our minds are like this clear cup of water that you know in this polluted, corrupted, defiled world that we live in, 
It's like running our minds and our thought life through coffee grounds all day. And it comes out really dark on the other side. And if we're not daily, consistently renewing our minds and having this spiritual heart catharsis, it's just going to get darker and darker and darker. So we've got to keep up with the cleansing. We've got to renew our minds daily. And this, this uh, renewal that Romans 2 and Ephesians 4 and all these other verses that talk about it, it's a, it's a continuous, ongoing sense. It's, he's not saying, have your mind renewed one time and you're good to go for the rest of your life. It's like, keep on actively renewing your mind for as long as you live. Because we need to. We're not out of this polluted, ugly world yet. And our hearts still to some degree have some deceitfulness and ugliness in them. So, I like um, Colossians 3.10. It tells us uh, you know, that we're not just renewing our minds with God's Word by rote repetition. I'm not just going to check it off my list and we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. You know, as you read your Bible, it's not just checking it off the list. I'm there, boom, I read it, and it's not this mechanical, robotic reading. Listen to Colossians 3.10. It says, Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. That's important. In knowledge, after the image of its Creator. See, we're not just washing and flushing as we read the Bible. We're, we're refilling and renewing. We're doing what Psalm 119 says. We're storing up God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. And, and I want to tell you guys that, listen, if, if you're not a, like a reader, you don't like to read, that's okay. I, my preference in taking in the Bible is listening to it. I do read it. But I like to listen to the Bible. You can get free audio Bibles everywhere. If you want to know where, call me. I'll tell you. I'll email you the link. And, and it's not even... as It's primarily taken in God's Word in its purest form, the Bible. But I have been so helped over the years by just taking in doctrine through teaching, listening to sermons, listening to audio books, Christian books, um, just whenever I get a chance. On my way in here, my commute, when I'm cutting the grass, any kind of mindless activity you're doing, you can take in Bible. You can take in good doctrine. And it's about being renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. It's about knowing more about Jesus. And the more we know about Jesus through the reading of God's Word, the more we'll see Him. The more we'll know Him the more we'll fellowship with Him, the more we'll experience Him. We'll see Him everywhere. I mean, if you're taking in large doses of Bible, you're going to begin to see God when you look at the trees. You're going to think, oh God, I, those are beautiful. Thank You for creating them. You're going to begin to see God when you look at nature, when you go to work. Even when you're in a trial, you're going to see God more. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, in a nutshell, to conclude, we talked about Jesus being the great physician who gave us all, us all meaning those who believe the Gospel, who believe in Jesus, 
He gave us all a heart transplant. He gave us a new heart. And like any good doctor, Jesus is stressing the importance of taking care of our new heart transplant. You wouldn't just go eat a bunch of cholesterol and junk all day and not exercise if you got a heart transplant. He wants us to take care of it. And He's told us, and we've looked at some of them today, the blessings of caring for our heart. And He's, give, he's, given, us, he's given us discharge instructions. And I've tried to put them into an organized fashion today for us to tell us how to care for our new hearts, how to keep them pure, how to keep them clean, because we live in a defiled world. And so, we come to the point where we need to ask ourselves, are are we just going to be hearers of the Word, or are we going to be doers of the Word? And I want to exhort us all to be doers of this Word, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Let's guard our hearts as we go out into our workplace, our classes, our our homes. Let's renew our minds daily. Take in God's Word in any form you can. And take in as much of it as you can. You can't get too much. And let's walk in the light. Let's, Let's be tuned into God in all of our thoughts, confessing our sins the moment we're aware of them. When we do that, We're going to see God and experience Him like we've never done it before. So let's do it. Greg, um, could you and the band come up and could we sing uh, Open the Eyes of Our Hearts one more time? Let's pray and ask God while they're coming up for His help. Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We wouldn't know any of this stuff if it wasn't for Your Word. We pray, Lord, that as we seek to purify our hearts, that we would see You, Jesus, more. And Lord, we pray for any people here who just believed this morning and had their heart purified by faith. We pray, Lord, that, that You would help them in their walk with You. And Lord, we pray if anyone is here and, and they, they just haven't believed, that they, they don't believe that truth about You, Jesus, that they would. Lord, we thank You. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.